Deer found her. As you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Today's guest is revolutionizing the process of helping families to conceive children. Wait until you hear her story. But before we get into today's episode, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. With just a $500 investment, I founded, built, and sold a seven-figure business that reached 3 million people per month. This podcast is my weekly letter to you to inspire you to find your success through your own entrepreneurial endeavors. This podcast is the show I wanted 13 years ago when I myself became an accidental female founder. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or anything that you want me to share in order to help you through your own endeavors, I invite you to reach out. If you're so inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. You can text it to a friend or share it in your stories. If you tag me at Lindsay Pinchuk or at Dear Founder, I will absolutely come and say hi. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you left a five-star rating or review as that's how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories that we share here. All you have to do is go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Founder and you can leave a rating or review wherever it is that you listen. So let's meet today's guest. Lauren Mackler is the co-founder of and the CEO of Co-Fertility. She previously founded Uber Health, a product that enables healthcare organizations to leverage Uber's massive driver network in improving healthcare outcomes through patient transportation and healthcare delivery. Under Lauren's leadership, the business helped millions of patients to get the care that they needed. And prior to that, Lauren spent the early years at Uber launching the core business throughout the East Coast and led the company's first experiments in healthcare, national on-demand flu shot campaigns, and national on-demand flu shot campaigns. Lauren's winding road of a fertility journey led her to believe that everyone should have the opportunity to freeze their eggs and that the egg donation experience should be made more positive and human-centered for everyone involved. I cannot wait for you to hear the story of what Lauren and her co-founders are creating. She is absolutely incredible and dynamic and what she is doing is going to eventually help millions and millions of people. I can assure you of that. Lauren lives in Los Angeles with her husband and their miracle baby girl. And for now, I want you to come on in and meet the incredible Lauren Mackler. So today I'm going back to putting my bump club hat on in a in a little bit of a way because we're going to be talking about a company in the pregnancy and parenting space. I have Lauren Mackler, who is the co-founder and CEO of Co-Fertility on Dear Founder today. And I am so excited to get into this story and to hear 
all about it because it is a topic that one has been on my agenda for a very long time, given what I did with Bump Club and Beyond. And two, one that is thankfully being talked about more and more and more and is we are being louder and louder about it. And I'm very excited to share Lauren's story, her company and her mission with all of you guys. So Lauren, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Of course. So tell us, first and foremost, tell us what co-fertility is and tell us how you started it. Yeah. Um, so co-fertility is a new fertility ecosystem. At our core, we give women the opportunity to freeze their eggs for free when they donate half of the eggs retrieved to intended parents that can't otherwise conceive. So that could be people who struggle with infertility, could be hopeful gay dads uh, or cancer survivors. There's a number of reasons people might need egg donation, and we help with that. Um, we also have another program for women who may not be interested in egg donation because we know it's not for everybody um, or who might not qualify for egg donation where we still help them to find a way to freeze their eggs more affordably through partnerships that we have. Um, and for everyone involved in the process, we have um, support and community along the way because we know that egg freezing can be uh, a lonely and isolating process. And it's just time that it is not considered that. Uh, we believe it should be an empowering and accessible thing for anybody who's interested in doing it. So how did you come up with this idea and how did you start this company? It's a uh, an interesting story for sure. And it, it goes back um, a number of years, at least on my end. And I'll tell you a little bit about my co-founders as well, because I think their stories also play a, a role here. Um, in 2017, and actually I had been at Uber for uh, a while at that point. I joined Uber in 2013 and saw an opportunity for Uber in the healthcare space. Actually, I felt that um, I knew that, you know, millions of people miss a doctor's appointment every year because they don't have access to a reliable ride and Uber had reliable rides and spades. And so, um, I pitched our executive leadership team at Uber on a business line that's now called Uber health that helps, um, lower income and elderly patients get to the care that they need. Um, but right around the time I pitched it to our executive leadership team, I was maybe, you know, two or three months into that process where, um, I woke up with a pain in my side one day and I knew something wasn't quite right, had some diagnostic testing and, um, was very shocked to find out that I was diagnosed with an incredibly rare abdominal disease. It was one of 154 people on the planet to ever get this disease at the time. And basically I had these like benign masses growing everywhere throughout my abdomen that could like harm the functioning of my organs. And I was told that I'd have to have a number of surgeries to remove the disease and to like treat this condition basically. And, uh, I asked of course, like, okay, first, like, how do I manage this disease? But will I ever be able to have a child someday? I just like, you know, was in my mid twenties, late twenties. I wanted to know like what my options would be. And they said, you know, there's a, a very possible chance that you could lose your ovaries in these surgeries. And, um, you know, that would be problematic. Right. And so I asked like, can I freeze my eggs beforehand? And they said, you know what, 
your disease is so rare that we'd rather not. There's not enough evidence that like that won't be harmful to you. Um, egg donation could be an option for you someday. And being a type A planner, um, even though I wasn't at that point in my life, I, of course, was like at home, like Googling egg donation, trying to learn as much as I possibly could about it and was pretty shocked by what I saw. Um, it occurred to me or felt really antiquated and sort of outdated for something that really is how so many people grow their families. Um, it felt very transactional. Um, I think, you know, the way that traditional egg donation works is where um, women receive, you know, anywhere from eight to 25,000 or more dollars, like in exchange for their eggs um, or for their time to retrieve their eggs. But it really just felt kind of icky to me. Um, and then I also noticed that like, oh, if I'm, you know, want something specific, right? Like if I want a Jewish egg donor, the compensation would be even higher. And all of these things just felt very off-putting to me. Uh, and my sister actually at the time decided that she would freeze her eggs and donate them to me in case I needed them someday. Um, and so, yeah, it was an amazing, generous gift. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And she I don't know if you saw me, I, my mouth. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think about it and I, I get emotional. Um, at the time she had two beautiful little boys and she said to me, Lauren, I would, give your left, give my left arm if it meant you could be a mom someday, you know, and I, I would have done the same for her if our roles were re reversed. Um, and she actually went on to have a third baby after that. Um, but, uh, from there I ended up having three surgeries and thankfully didn't lose my ovaries, um, which is, is great. And ultimately, was able to conceive unassisted without using my sister's eggs. Um, and now I have a, a beautiful almost two-year-old. Um, but the minute I gave birth, I had this like immense clarity that I had to build something in the reproductive health space. I had never stopped thinking about egg donation. I had never stopped thinking about egg freezing. And I gave notice at Uber without a plan. Um, after my maternity leave, which is like not something you'd expect of this planner. Um, and I just let that go and sort of put my head down to just really think about this space. And the craziest thing happened, um, without posting this on LinkedIn or Instagram or anything, I got a DM within like 24 hours of giving notice on Instagram from one of my now co-founders, Hallie Teco, who is an amazing um, builder and investor herself. Um, she started Rock Health, which is like the first digital health fund, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago before digital health was like cool. Um, and she went on to invest in, you know, tons of companies, mostly in the healthcare space, and then started a company called Natalist, which makes pregnancy tests, ovulation kits, and um, prenatal vitamins, things like that. Sold that company to Everly Well. And so she's sort of like a role model to me, uh, in a lot of ways. And we did not know each other well. And I remember being like, Oh my God, Hallie, Hallie Teco just DM'd me what's going on. And she had heard she, that I might be starting something and asked me how fundraising was going. And I was like, I do not have a business idea. I would love to be starting something, but I'm not there. Like are any of your portfolio companies hiring? And she was like, you're on the market. I was like, yeah, I just gave notice yesterday. Um, and she's like, I'm calling you. So she called me and she wanted to talk about an idea that she had had years ago, like maybe, 
I'm trying to even do the math, like six or seven years ago, um, that she had been just like sitting on for quite some time that just like, wasn't the timing wasn't right then in the egg freezing and egg donation space. So she explains to me the model and she's like, Lauren, what do you think of this? And I was like, well, you should know my own personal experience related to egg donation and egg freezing. And she was like, you need to be the CEO of this company. Like, let's do this. And so from that day forward, we like never looked back. Um, we brought on a third co-founder, Arielle Spiegel, who had marketing expertise. We knew this would be a challenge in terms of like, how do we destigmatize something that is like long, um, you know, tied up with like shame and, and secrecy, um, both on the side of intended parents who need to use an egg donor, but also on the side of women who decide to be an egg donor. And having that marketing expertise, we felt would really help bring this forward in a way that people could be proud of and, and really get, get used to. And so that was that. Okay. So you guys have this dream team. Yep. That yep. really was formed by Kismet. Totally. In many ways, yep. you know, and you decide you're going to start this company. What happens next? Like, I want to go back to the beginning. Like, like, what did you guys do? Did you fundraise first? Did you like, what was the deal? What we did first, and this was like my own, um, I don't know where it came from, but I had this like deep need to make sure this was something people would want. And so we put together a type form survey, just like asking a bunch of questions um, about our model, people's feelings around egg freezing, people's feelings around egg donation, like putting our, our model forward and asked a few influencers that we followed on Instagram to share the type form in their stories. And like, so quickly within a day, we had close to a thousand responses. Wow. And it was such a resounding response of like, yes, this is something we'd be interested in that I was like, let's go, let's go. And what we ended up doing was that that became that data that we had really supported our fundraising efforts. And that was a key part of our fundraising deck and our pitch. So that's where we started. So we put together a deck and I, I credit Hallie for like pushing me because I'm someone who probably would have like thought about this for a few months before I tried to get in front of an investor. And Hallie was like, we have the team, we have the idea, we have the data. Let's put together a presentation and just start having conversations. So when you started those conversations and when you took the deck out, what did, what did co-fertility look like in the sense that what did you say you were going to do? What was the model? Yeah. It, it was exactly what we're doing today. Okay. It was, we are going to reshape egg freezing and egg donation through this model where if women donate half of the eggs retrieved to intended parents, the, the donor will get it for free and storage for free. And intended parents will have an opportunity for what we hoped would be more diverse donors, more... Um, openness to disclosure where it wasn't so rooted in anonymity um, and really like a more human-centered approach. And that's what we've delivered on. So we launched, we started pitching investors November of 2021. We closed our seed round in, you know, a couple months time. 
um, and with like incredible angel investors and some institutions as well. And then we took about, you know, eight months or so, maybe six months to like really research and learn as much as possible and like become, um, experts before like, and figure out what we wanted our like go to market strategy to be. And then we soft launched the business without any, like anything too public facing just to like test and learn. And that's something I learned at Uber, like figure it out before you have like eyeballs on you, you know? Um, and then we launched publicly in October of 2022. I have so many questions. So, (laughs) okay. So one of the big things that I want to ask you is, I want to, I'm putting my bump club hat back on because 12 years ago, I very distinctly remember someone approached me that they were having a support group for women who were struggling with getting pregnant. And she didn't know where to find these people. Like I knew where to find the people who were pregnant at bump club. It was very easy. I went to maternity stores. I went to prenatal yoga classes, you know, but when people aren't talking about something that is a hardship, it's really hard to find them. So what was your marketing strategy and how did you, like when you launched, how did you find people to launch to? Yeah. So what's interesting about what we're doing is that there are two audiences here. Right. And they're super different audiences. Um, one is this, you know, woman who is age 21 to mid to late thirties, right. Who is, ambitious and focused on living her best life and maybe isn't ready to start a family yet, or maybe doesn't know if she wants to have kids yet. And so, um, those women, we, um, built a brand for, so, so co-fertility is our like umbrella brand. And then we have freeze by co for those women and freeze by co is very specifically carved out for them because we can't talk out of two sides of our mouth, right? Like we wanted something that was like specifically dedicated to them. And so for them, it's like, where do people in that age group hang out, right? Social media platforms, podcasts, um, like campus, like graduate school events, things like that. Um, I think putting yourself in the mind of, of who you're trying to reach, like, and, and also we brought women onto our team. I, I laugh, um, I don't squarely fit into that age group anymore as much as I wish I did. Right. Um, maybe on the, the, some of the, the older end of that, but like for the women that are in their twenties, like I am like too old to understand. And so I think having people on our team who squarely fit into that age group has been incredibly helpful and beneficial. Um, cause like me thinking about a TikTok trend, like I have no idea. Right. But they will like totally tell us what's cool or which emojis we shouldn't be using, you know? Um, apparently the red heart is not cool anymore, which I had no idea until, until they told me. Um, but then on the other side of our business, we call it family by co and that's for intended parents who are looking to grow their families through egg donation. Um, they are in a totally different boat and even within that category of people, it's really different, right? So someone who is, experiencing infertility due to their age is very different than somebody who, um, knew that they may always have issues with infertility, um, which is very, very different than, uh, hopeful gay dads 
Um, or another category, which is like now become a thing that I don't know that I was expecting so much. There are just a lot of, um, hopeful single dads by choice or circumstance. Um, you know, like there's so many categories. And so figuring out how to speak to that audience is really different. So we do a ton of content for different folks on that side that has performed really well. Um, and again, it's like meeting people where they are, uh, and what is their mindset? What kinds of things are they searching for on the internet and how do we, um, meet them there. Um, or a lot of people find out that they need an egg donor at their clinic, at their fertility clinic, right? Um, you have, you learn from your reproductive endocrinologist that maybe it's time to take that step. Um, obviously gay dads know they need it, but this is in the infertility audience, right? And so, um, partnerships with clinics and, and it's sort of like thinking the way you did of like going to maternity, you know, yoga, right? Like, wait, where am I finding out that I need an egg donor and going there? But I think regardless of, you know, I mean, you and I are both, you both just gave examples of like the parenting space, right? But it doesn't really matter who your intended <laughs> audience is. You have to put yourself in their mindset and think about yeah. where they are. It doesn't matter yeah. if they're expectant parents or maybe soon to be parents or people who are donating eggs. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter. You have right. to really think about this customer and like, what are all the things that they're doing? Because yeah. that's how you're going to reach and connect with them both in person and online. Totally. I'm not trying to give you a loaded question, but like, what do you think has worked the best uh, in terms of customer acquisition? I, I could say like, you know, on, on the freeze by co side, like, you know, Instagram ads work great for us. Right. But I don't think it's so much about the channel. It's more about the messaging and like the authenticity behind the messaging. Um, and similarly, like on the intended parent side, um, giving them a chance to engage with our team, right? Whether that's like in our DMs or like, hey, book a call with our team. Like get on a call one-on-one. I, and that's something I think is so important for anyone starting a company. Even as your team grows, like, you have to be close to your customer or your member or whoever it is, right? And that I do a ton of our member calls myself. I look, one, it's like actually my favorite part of my day um, because seeing how what you're building like impacts people's lives firsthand is incredibly fulfilling and like literally lights me up. But in terms of their comfort level and like what we're talking about on the intended parent side is not like an inexpensive thing, right? Like that, you know, doing an egg retrieval yeah. and all these things is costly. And so when they can get on the phone with someone on my team or with me as the CEO of this company, and they can ask any and every question, like that's where we see the most conversion where they're like, wow, I met a real person. And I heard about why she started this company. And then I told her all about my personal experience and she cared. And we like, came up with a solution that would work well for my family and how good did that feel, you know? So I guess like that kind of um, willingness really works. Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last nine months, I haven't just helped 
big enterprise brands on their marketing efforts through my consulting firm. I've also helped over a dozen women, small business owners in launching their companies, building their brands, and to tweak what wasn't working. I've been building and growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students. My signature suite method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to generate and execute cost-effective community-centric marketing strategies. If you're looking for that added layer of guidance, please reach out. There's a link in my show notes. Book a call with me and let's see how I can help you. I can't wait to meet you and learn about your business. Now back to the show. So you guys are new. I mean, you're new. Yeah. You're yeah. you're a young company. You're not going to be able to do that forever. So how do you scale that? Yeah, um, we talk about that a lot. Um, we scale that. I mean, I'm not going to be able to do every call myself. That's what I mean. Yeah, for sure. But I'm never going to take away someone's ability to have that one-on-one call with someone from my team. And for the foreseeable future, the people on my team will be trained by me and like, you know, get it. You know what I mean? Like I, that, and actually we had this with our split members. So these are the women who split their eggs with the intended parents from after their retrieval. Um, We do a one-on-one call with every single one of them. And we've talked about like, okay, what's the best way to scale this? And I remember someone on my team I love this. We're like, our one of our core values is everything is figure outable, borrowed from Marie Forleo. Like, I love that mentality. And it's something we literally talk about all the time. Like, what are we problem solving? What is the best way to attack this? Um, and someone from my team was like, okay, what if we do like a one to many split call where it's one person from our team and three split members or one person from our team and five split members. And ultimately, like in my gut. I just knew that like we lose something major in that process. And I would rather bring on someone else on the team to help us facilitate those calls and not lose that one-to-one connection, both for the split member, because I think it's really important for her to feel like she can privately ask the questions that she has and not feel like other people are exposed or judging or whatever. But also for the intended parent side, when we can say to an intended parent, like we met every single woman on this platform and had a one-on-one conversation with her and learned about her and validated this whole thing, that goes a really long way, right? So I think like every decision you have to think through, like, what do we gain? Sure, we gain efficiency, but what are we losing in this decision? And in that case, we would have lost too much for the gain to be worth it. I love that you just said that. I mean, it goes back to a lot of times, um, you know, I often tell clients, I often tell our community here that you cannot make decisions that compromise your values, your mission, your worth for Mm -hmm. short-term gain, because Mm -hmm. long-term it will end up biting you in the ass. And, you know, and you are building a company in the healthcare sector, (laughs) And so yeah. you can't be willy nilly about your customer service. You know, I mean, this no. is, that is your company. Your company is, it's your people and what you're providing and the problem you're solving. And it's not just the problem, but how you're solving it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what does your team look like? You mentioned your team a couple of times. What, what does it look like now? Yeah. Um, there are, why am I struggling with the total number? Um, like eight or nine of us. Um, full-time. And uh, it is 
We're all over the U.S., so like fully remote company, um, which has been, I think, great in that you can bring on great talent and not need them to like all be within, you know, a certain commuting distance from an office. Um, and I still have the opportunity to like pop out between meetings and see my daughter before she goes down for a nap. Um, so I love, I love that. Um, but our team is broken into different, we have a, obviously a marketing team, we have, um, partnerships and then we have clinical operations um, and product operations. So there's like a few different functions that really help us to fire on all cylinders in a way that has been great. Um, we're hiring, so I'll put that, <laughs> put that plug in, but, um, yeah, I, we've seen such, um, like exciting traction since our launch that like, you know, the way that we think about it is like, as the business grows, you have to bring on more people to help support that growth. And that's what's happened what's happening. So it's been great to see. So how is the business in terms of the business health? Like, are, like, are you profitable? Are you bringing in revenue? Like, have you had growth? Like, what does this look like? Yeah. Yeah. So we launched in October and we have been really, really encouraged by the growth that we've had. We've had tens of thousands of women apply to our program to, to either be part of our split or keep program. Um, we've had thousands of intended parents, um, you know, create accounts and come, you know, check out the donors that we've had or we have, and, um, we make matches all the time and it is the best feeling in the world. Like literally, like, I don't know that the, the joy we get is like notifications on Slack when a new match is made. And it is like, I don't know. What is it? Serotonin? I don't know which, whatever it is, is like this, like hit of like, ah, it's happening. You know, it's like this thing that you put so much effort into and research and energy and all of that, like is working and is something that not only will help someone who wants to have a baby today, but it will also help somebody who wants to have a baby someday. And it feels really nice to do that. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Let's talk a little bit about your fundraise, because I think that's a really big question around here. A lot of times people have no idea where to start. You, based on what you just shared with me, you were in a very, um, you you were in a good situation. You had a co-founder who was like really plugged into this world. 
So what would you, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you probably were too, but you had a co-founder approach you who was very plugged into raising money. That's why she approached you to begin with. So I would love for you to share kind of your thoughts and your advice for a founder who is looking to fundraise. Yeah. I mean, Um, it's not easy. Totally. I think there's, it's not easy, full stop. I think there's two categories of advice I would give. One is like logistical advice and one is emotional advice. On the logistics side, I will say that you don't need to have a million relationships for an investor to take a meeting with you. So don't like think that's the case, but do outreach to a ton of investors at once and run a tight timed process. Meaning that if you're going out and you're like, yeah, we're raising, we don't know how much we're raising. We don't know when we're closing. Like, let us know if you're interested. Like that's not going to work. But if you say, Hey, we're here, we're raising X amount of dollars. We're looking to close by, you know, the end of this month, like we're running a process. We're talking to a number of folks, like, let us know if you want to have a meeting, like you're creating a, um, a sense of urgency on their part and it goes a long way. So I would say like put structure to your process. There are a ton of resources online. I swear to you, I watched so many videos like on my nights and weekends when I was going through this process of like what questions to ask investors on a pitch meeting. Like it's okay. You should be asking them questions too. Um, How, like how long should your pitch be? What should your slides look like? What should you focus on? What should you not like use those resources? There are people create them for a reason and they're really, really credible people who create them. Um, Y Combinator has a lot of videos out there that I found really useful. Um, On the emotional side, I think there's two things that I would say. One, like you have to believe that you are worthy of investing in for someone to invest in you. Full stop. Like you cannot... Pretend like, of course you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that you are worthy of the funding to get it. And like, if you don't try and figure out, like, is that because you don't have faith in the idea or is that because you don't have faith in yourself and like work on it? (laughs) Like if you want this process, it's like not for the faint of heart. So you got to get like right with yourself about that before you put yourself out there. Um, And then the other piece is like there, whatever narratives you have about yourself, right? Like, oh, I'm a first time founder. No one will invest in me. Or like, oh, um, I don't know any investors. so It'll be hard to do this. Or, oh, we haven't launched a proof of concept yet. So no one's going to invest in us. Like they'll feel that. So like you got to like, clear that up in your head. And maybe this is tied to the first point, I guess, but more so like there's going to be rejection. And in this process too, very, no investor is going to say, no, we don't want to invest. They're going to say, Hey, like come back to us later. That's a rejection and you should know it. Um, or maybe you'll just get ghosted. That's also a rejection. Um, but rejection is protection. And it means that like, something better is coming. So don't let the rejections get you down. Let it, or let them like hurt for a few minutes and then move on. That's good advice. 
Yeah. One of the things that you talked a lot about in the beginning and we've just we've touched on throughout the conversation is the support and community aspect of what what you do. And, you know, that is really your differentiation point. I mean, there's so many differentiation points, but like you talked a lot about how, you know, traditional donor applications and matches is very sterile. And, you know, and the support in the community is really what a lot of people look for when they're doing this. And often when they're going through the process and they don't have the support of a company like yours, they're looking elsewhere for that support and community because no one can do this without it. So what are some of the things that you are doing to support your community and build your community because that is what is going to one, keep people coming back and two, keep people referring your service. Totally. So on the, um, the donor side, actually I'll read to you this morning. One of our, um, split members posted, um, in our community, she's someone who had donated previously with, um, another, um, agency and then realized like that co-fertility made a lot of sense because she wished she was able to have, you know, keep some of the eggs from those. And she wrote this morning, I've only ever met one other egg donor. So I'm excited to connect with more people on this journey. Happy to answer any questions from my personal experience about the retrieval process, matching with parents and needles, you know, like the fact that like, we didn't ask her to post that, you know, like she showed up and she saw, wow, there are other people here who are going through this thing that I went through and I've never literally has only met one other person. That's terrible. Like this is something she's going through that's real and how nice it is for her that there are other people who have gone through that together. So I think like creating a space and holding that space is, is a big part of it. Um, and making it feel like judgment free, you know, I think that's, part of it. And, you know, if she hadn't seen other things in there that made her feel that way, who knows if she wouldn't or would have posted that. So, um, I can't like profess to be an expert on community yet. I think we're still like scratching the surface. I'm so like, but something like that, like that post, like lit me up. I'm so excited to see it because it means there's more where that came from, you know, hundred percent. There's more where that came from. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you are just scratching the surface yeah. and offline. I'm going to tell you a couple of other things too. Cool. Just so you know. Thank you. Um, I have two more questions for you. Yeah. Where do you see this going? Like what is like the goal as you guys grow? My hope really is that so many women will freeze their eggs that the only people who need an egg donor someday are men. Um, that's the, the big vision, but I really, I want to make a dent in this stigma on both sides. I want women to be able to, freeze or donate their eggs in a way that they feel empowered by and not any shame. Um, and then on the flip side for intended parents, I think feeling like it's okay to say, I grew my family through egg donation and how lucky are we that we've been able to accomplish our dream of this beautiful family, you know, and I think we're on our way to do that. I love it. So you are a longtime veteran of corporate America. I mean, you were in corporate America for a long time and you are a newer founder. Yeah. What are three tips that you would give to a female founder who's just getting started? Yeah. One is sweat every dollar, whether that's like bootstrapped or through investors, doesn't matter. Treat it all the same. Sweat every dollar and encourage your team to do the same. 
Um, I learned that actually from a couple of our angel investors, and I'll never forget that phrase. Um, The next I would say is be involved and intentional in every single hire that your team makes. Um, I know like, you know, once you have hundreds of people, it's harder to do that. But early on, like really be intentional and make sure that you're bringing the right team on board. Um, And the third is don't do it alone. Um, My husband and I, uh, we, we have this thing we created, we call it career pooling, where we pool our skills and our careers to bring out the best in each other and contribute to what we're doing. So if there's something that like would take me 10 hours to do, but he could do in 20 minutes, like you can bet I'm going to ask him to do it. Right. Because it's in his best interest to help me with that thing. Um, and like, it gives us more to talk about, gives us more to engage on. Um, and there are things that he's better at and there are things I'm better at. And why not leverage each other to be better at our jobs and enjoy each other more? Um, so that's one thing, but also like whether or not it's your partner or a friend, right? Like one of my best friends is like an incredible sales trainer. And I ask her for advice all the time, right? Like use your network, use your people. Um, it never hurts to ask for help. Lauren Mackler, co-founder and CEO of Co-Fertility. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to link in our show notes where people can find you, where people can find information on Co-Fertility. And I'm so excited to share your story. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Lauren Mackler is incredible and what she is building, like I said earlier, is sure to eventually help millions and millions of people. I know that. They're in the early stages of their business. And actually, we usually don't have founders who are so early on in their journey on this podcast. But Lauren's story and what she's building is absolutely so incredible. It was one that I wanted to share and draw attention to because everyone knows someone who is dealing with the struggles of fertility. And I highly, highly recommend reaching out and getting in touch with Lauren and her team and what they're doing if you or someone that you know is experiencing struggles or is struggling on your own. Um, But for now, I want to share with you my top five takeaways from today's episode. As you know, if you sign up for my email newsletter, you'll get even more takeaways sent straight to your inbox. And coming up, we are redoing our email newsletter. So be the first to get in on what that is going to look like. But for now, take out your pen and paper. I would like to share my five top takeaways with you. Number one, send out a survey to your community or to your target customer to ask them if they would be interested in whatever it is that you are looking to build. When Lauren and her team did this, their survey got a thousand responses in a day, really just further exemplifying that what they were doing was needed and people wanted it. So ask your community how they feel about your idea if you're unsure and hopefully you'll get this kind of response that you can use to your own benefit when you're building your brand. Number two, it doesn't really matter who your intended audience is. You have to put yourself in their mindset and think about where they are and meet them where they are in order to reach them. Number three, the highest conversion rates often come from interaction with your actual team. Number four, you have to believe that you are worthy of investing in for someone to invest in you. And number five, don't go at it alone. 
career pool. I loved this term that Lauren shared that her and her husband created. Help each other out. Use your network. Use your people. If you know someone that can do something faster than you, or you know someone that can lend experience or expertise or tips or knowledge or wisdom, absolutely ask them for it and provide the same in return. It never hurts to ask for help. I want to thank Lauren Mackler for being here and for sharing her story with us, especially this early on in their founding journey. I can't wait to see where co-fertility goes and what they do for so many millions of parents across the country and hopefully the world. But for now, I want to thank you all for being here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And make sure that you tune in for another amazing episode coming your way next week on Dear Founder.